0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? It's so good to be with you all once again, to be with family. Um, We are just one big family here at Church 214. So uh, whether you're related or not, you are through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're uh, launching a series today that I'm really excited about. It's called Rhythms. See, so much of what we accomplish and how we live our lives is because of the habits that we've cultivated over the years. Even seemingly small habits end up influencing massive portions of our lives. And I believe that God is in the details. He doesn't take one small thing and not use it for the potential of His glory. His word has so much to say about the habits and the rhythms of our lives. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about some topics that you may have never heard preached about before, like how we sleep, how we eat, how we think, how we use our resources how we use our time, how we read the Bible. And I believe that this series will be so practical, some tools that you and I can take away and immediately apply practically to each of our lives. And if we can develop good rhythms in these areas of our lives, it will make us an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. And that is my prayer for you and for me, that we would at least grab one thing every week, take one thing away and apply that to our lives from this rhythm series. And you know what? I'm just crazy enough to believe that one small shift... One change, one habit, one rhythm that we can develop in each of these areas can have an enormous effect on eternity. Amen. All right. So, welcome to Rhythms. If you're taking notes, and I really hope you are, you know, you know that in and of itself is a great rhythm, isn't it? Um, myself, just side note, real quick. This is a practical tip. Myself, I love to take notes um, on the, the app Evernote on my phone. and if It's a free app that you can download, but it just stores that information in the cloud. So it's always available. So if God's speaking to me, whether I'm at work or on a plane uh, or I'm, I'm, I'm writing down what he's speaking uh, in a message here today, I have that, I record that, and um, I can always look back, I can search for it and, and see those prophetic things that have been said over me, see those whispers of God that, it's, that maybe I've never shared with anybody else, but he's spoken it directly to my heart, and I write that down. My wife, on the other hand, she loves to take notes the old school way, pen and paper and all that good stuff, and it, it, the thing that I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter how you do it. But it ha- it's so important that you develop that rhythm of writing down what God is speaking to you in your life, uh, because it's proven fact that once you write something down, you remember it, you retain it even more. Amen. All right. That's tip number one. Let's get to today's message. Um, I'm, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are by now, even if I've guilted you into it, the title of today's message is called Sleeping At Last. Sleeping At Last. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3. So while you're finding that story in the Bible, uh, let me just give you a little background of what's going on here. A woman named Hannah and her husband Elkanah, they could not have children. And Hannah would go to the temple year after year and, and pray that God would open her womb and give her uh, a child, a son. And one year she's uh, at the temple just desperate desperate for the presence of God that he would uh, give them a child and so much so that the uh, the priest Eli finds Hannah and she he thinks that she's drunk she's that desperate for God to move in her behalf and she's praying to the Lord she says God if you give me a son I will give him back to you to serve you all the days of his life and God did open her womb, gave her a son named Samuel. And after Samuel was weaned, she gave the boy back to Eli the priest to serve in the temple of God. Can you imagine that? Giving up your child um, right after he's weaned to go serve God for the rest of his, his days. I mean, that's how open our hands should be with everything he puts in our hands. But that would be a very hard thing. And so Samuel grows up in the temple. He grows up serving Eli the priest. And then, of course, later on, he becomes the priest as well. So the story of 1 Samuel 3, um, that's the backdrop to it. So the boy Samuel, we don't know exactly how old he is at this time, but he's serving Eli in the God's temple. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 through 15 here we go so meanwhile the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli now in those days messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon and one night Eli who was almost blind by now had gone to bed the lamp of God had not gone out yet and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God suddenly the Lord called out to Samuel Samuel yes Samuel replied what is it And he got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not know the Lord because he had never heard or had a message from the Lord before. And so the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am, Eli. Did you call me? It was then that Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm going to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifice or offerings. And Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. Why don't we pray before we go any further? Heavenly Father God, we come to you this morning just desperate to hear your voice. We want these rhythms and habits that are created in our lives to be from you and not to be used for evil or for the enemy we want to break old habits and develop new rhythms so god we open our hands we open our heart today to hear what you have to say to us we don't want to come in and and just sit around and play church we want to be the church we want to have something changed and shifted in our lives today and the only way we can do that is by opening ourselves up to the move of the holy spirit so, Spirit of God, we pray that you would pour yourself out upon us, upon these broken and empty vessels, and that you would flood us and overflow us so that we are spilling out and spilling your Spirit onto others that we come in contact with. We pray that we would uh, listen with our hearts and our heads this morning that, that something would shift in this rhythm called sleep and meditation. And it's in Jesus' name And all God's people said. Amen. All right. I want to talk to you about two subjects today that, when combined, I believe have the ability to become a powerful rhythm in our lives. I want to talk to you about sleep and meditation. Now, I've been in church since I've had breath in my lungs. And I'm very sure that I've never heard a sermon before about sleep. But you know what's really interesting? The Bible has so much to say about sleep, it's fascinating. And what I have time to share with you this morning is just scratching the surface of this whole topic. And I'd encourage you to dig into it more, find out what God is saying, even more than what I can take in 40 minutes this morning. But if you're like me, You've probably treated sleep very casually in your life before, right? We've tried to shortchange yourself, your sleep, in order to get the most out of life. You know, we burn the candle on both ends. We stay up late, we get up early. One of my favorite sayings used to be Oh, oh don't worry about that. I'll sleep when I'm dead you know i want to get it done we're a driven productive american society right that's our rhythm that's our habit we cut corners we stay up late we get up early and so we cut out sleep i mean it's the one thing we don't have to really get much of many of us because when we're awake we can be productive right we can get things done but here's the thing about sleep are you ready for this god made you and he made me to sleep you know he didn't have to he could have created us to be awake all the time right But God created us to sleep. He put that rhythm inside of us. That's how he created us to get sleep, to get rest. Think about creation. God worked six days. On the seventh, he rested. He builds this rest. He builds this sleep into our very nature. We're in the image of him. If he does it, we do it. Or we should do it, right? So why is it that we don't value sleep? Why don't we talk about this very much? Now, I sure didn't value sleep for the large majority of my life until recently. Over the years, I've not been conscious or valued the subject of sleep or made it a a constant priority to make it a rhythm in my life. I've shortchanged myself. I've shortchanged my sleep. But you know what? I firmly believe this, church, that if we shortchange our sleep, we shortchange what God wants to do in our lives. If we shortchange our sleep, we're shortchanging what God wants to do in and through us. And if you just cringed right there and said, Chris, that's a really bold statement. I don't know if I agree with you, then perfect. This message is for you. Have you ever thought about sleep that way before, that God designed you to sleep, that he programmed you for rest, that perhaps our goal should not be to cut corners and squeeze out as many waking hours as possible? You ever thought about that before? You know one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible is from Acts chapter 2. It's when it's when Peter's on the day of Pentecost he starts launches into this this message, this sermon, 3000 people get saved. It's the moment when he and the other apostles step forward and launch the church of Jesus Christ. The passage after which this church is named after. Acts 2:14. And a few verses down, Peter says one of the most prophetic uh, anointed statements uh, you'll see anywhere in the Bible. It's a prophecy from Joel, and he's he's highlighting it. And he says this, he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams in those days. I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Powerful promise, powerful prophecy. We're living in those days right now. I firmly believe that. And you do realize, right, that you and I can't dream dreams if we're not sleeping, Right? So if we shortchange our sleep, we're shortchanging the prophecy that God has called us out to become, the people, the sons and daughters that he wants to give dreams to, to give visions to. If we don't develop these right sleep rhythms, then we're going to miss out on the dreams and visions that God has in store for us. When I was a kid, somewhere between the ages of eight to 12, I had this recurring dream. And in my dream, I was flying over my grandparents' farm in in Alberta, Canada. It was just me, nobody else. And it's hard to describe it fully to you how real it was. But it was just this moment of freedom. I, I had my arms spread and I was like gliding. I was flying over my grandparents' farm. It was absolutely incredible. And I had this dream over and over again, and I remember flying over the trees where we had the cable rope swing that, that us cousins love to play on, and I remember flying over the, the chicken barns and the wheat fields. It was a very vivid dream. It stuck with me, and I've shared it with my wife over the years, usually in the context of Um, when people talk about flying, I'm like, oh yeah, I used to dream about flying. I had this dream about flying. And recently I had a flashback to that dream and the Holy Spirit unloaded on me the prophetic meaning of, of that dream that I had as a child. See, I never realized until a few months ago that that dream was prophetic. I just thought it was a cool dream. I just thought it was cool to fly around and the freedom that I experienced while doing it. And I don't have time to go into it, but it was significant. It was incredibly significant moment when I realized that that dream that God had given to me 30 to 35 years ago holds significance and meaning for my life right here and right now. A dream of me flying over my grandparents' farm in Canada holds significance for me in my life in Peoria, Illinois in 2019. See, God designed sleep. He designed it to restore us, to empower us, to revive us. Sleep isn't just some useless state of being. God speaks to us in our sleep. You know, every night I pray with my son and and, and, and our daughter, and we pray that God would speak dreams into them, that he would give them visions as they sleep. You know, if you want to receive something, you have to press into it. You have to ask for it. You have to be ready for it. If you're just treating sleep, you and I are just treating sleep like this casual thing that we can burn the candle at both ends and just get the minimum amount, we're going to miss out on what God wants to speak to us. So the only question is, are we listening in our sleep? Are we going to sleep with the intention of God pouring out dreams and visions into our life? Are we developing this good rhythm of sleep so that we can hear from God? There was a TED Talk given uh, early in early June by a man named Matthew Walker called Sleep is Your Superpower. Absolutely fascinating. I'd encourage you to watch it. It's only about uh, 15, 20 minutes long, I think. And Matthew Walker is a scientist and professor of neuroscience and psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. And his research focuses on the impact of sleep on human health and disease. He's perhaps the foremost expert on sleep in the world today. He wrote a book in 2017 called Why We Sleep. Let me just give you a few tidbits from his research. He says men and women who sleep only five to six hours a night age themselves by 10 years automatically. So just by cutting out a few hours of sleep every night you're automatically taking 10 years off of your lifespan. Wow. And it's proven that you need sleep after learning in order to hit the the so-called save button in your brain and you also need sleep before learning because sleep prepares your brain. It's like preparing it like a dry sponge ready to soak up this information. And without sleep, the memory circuits of the brain, they become waterlogged and you cannot retain information. Matthew Walker and this group, they did a study. They took two groups of people. One group slept for a full eight hours and the other group stayed awake all night long. And then they placed each group in an MRI scanner. The ones that stayed awake were 40% deficient in the ability of their brain to make new memories, 40%, four zero. That's insane. The new experiences the new experiences that they were trying to engage with were literally bouncing off of their brains like emails going to a wrong or bad email address. They also discovered that in deep sleep, there's bursts of activity called sleep spindles that are acting like file transfers in your brain. It's like uploading to the cloud. And it's in this deep sleep that protects your memories. The disruption of deep sleep is contributing to cognitive decline and Alzheimer's. There's no question about it. And Matthew Walker talks about how sleep restores both your brain and body. Here's some amazing data that will not lie. We all know about daylight savings time, right? It's a simple one hour difference. In November, we fall back, we gain that glorious hour of sleep, and in March, we spring ahead and we're very grumpy coming to church the next day because we lose an hour of sleep, right? Everybody knows this, especially people that set up at this church. So did you know when we spring ahead and lose an hour every spring, there is a 24% increase in heart attacks globally the next week? And in the fall, when we fall back and we gain an hour of sleep, there is a 21% decrease in heart attacks globally. That is just an incredible statistic. That is one hour of sleep, just one hour. And look at how it it, it destroys 24% increase in heart attacks, 21% decrease in heart attacks, depending on whether you gain or lose an hour of sleep. That's incredible. The lack of sleep and cancer is so strongly linked now that the World Health Organization has classified any nighttime shift work as a carcinogen. Lack of sleep is a proven factor in developing cancer. And I'm not saying this to scare you or guilt you or shame you. I'm telling you this to remind you that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made, and your Father designed you and I to sleep. And here's what's so awesome. God talks about the value of sleep long before Matthew Walker or any other scientist discovered it. If we'd only just read his word and apply it to our lives, we wouldn't have to get validation from what the world says, even though Matthew Walker's completely correct. In Psalm 23, remember this, David writes it, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Verse 2, he says, He lets me, what? Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still and the quiet waters. He refreshes and he restores my soul. See, God's goal for you is to come to a place of realizing that he is your everything. He is your shepherd. I talked about this last time I preached. And if he is your shepherd, then you have all that you need. And it's in that state that I believe that you and I get the greatest sleep. The realization and the adoration of our shepherd Jesus to come to a place in our lives where nothing else matters but him. And it's in that moment where he lets you lie down in green pastures. And it's in that moment where he restores your soul. And that word for soul there, that Hebrew word actually encompasses more than your mind, will, and emotions. It's, it's a physical, spiritual, holistic word. He restores everything in that moment. And I told you earlier that this message was about two topics. The first one is obviously sleep. But several months ago, I'd become extremely convicted in my life to better develop two rhythms. Number one, to place a high value on sleep, because that's how God designed me. And number two, to increase my meditation on scripture and on Jesus. And all of a sudden, when I'm realizing that I need to work on these two habits, I realized in this one powerful moment back in April that those two things, sleep and meditation, belong together. They're so much more powerful together. See, if God's going to speak to me in my sleep and dreams and visions, then the last thing I should be sleeping, thinking about before I fall asleep is on him, right? So I began this rhythm. This habit of meditation, of falling asleep, quoting God's word, falling asleep, praying to Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord Jesus, you're my shepherd. I have all that I need. And oh my goodness, talk about life changing sleep. Talk about life changing dreams and visions You know, you do realize that what you input into your body is what the output is going to be, correct? See, this is where it gets very powerful and very practical. This is a rhythm that you can begin applying to your life tonight before you go to sleep. Let me ask you a question. What's the last thing on your mind as you fall asleep? Are you worried about tomorrow? Are you worried about your career? Are you worried about school, about finances, about that fight you had with your spouse? Are you worried about your your marriage, your parents, your health, your future? See, if you're inputting all that worry into your mind, what is the output going to be? Why do you think statistically most heart attacks occur on Monday mornings? It's because of stress and anxiety and worry, that anxiety of dreading going to work, See, worry is one of those things that we don't like to talk a lot about in church, isn't it? But worry is just fear dressed up in a nicer word. Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians 4, he says this, verse 6, Do not be anxious or worried about anything. Anything. But in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, is yours. It already is yours. See, here's what worry is like. Worry is like taking all the dirty clothes in your house on laundry day and putting them in the dryer. And what happens? Your mind goes around and around and around and around, and it heats up. These endless cycles, and all you end up doing is heating up what is already dirty and messy worry. Nothing is getting clean. Nothing is getting cleansed. It's just heating up all that junk. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you're worried with a problem, so you mask it we mask it we we mask it with netflix we mask it with alcohol we we mask it by staying up by, by not sleeping we fill in the blank whatever you want to put in there you mask that worry because you've taken it and you've put it in the dryer and just heated it up and as you lay down to sleep that worry dryer cycle just gets worse and worse and worse, and around it goes, and there's no end. It just gets the dirt everywhere. You know you've done it before you you've you've gone to the bathroom before you've gone to sleep and and you're you're washing your face and you see that freckle on your face, and you're uh, before you know it, you're laying in bed and you've convinced yourself that you've got skin cancer and you're gonna die in the middle of the night, right? You've all been there before. You're taking one little thread of, of worry, and, um, you know, our enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. So anytime you're being accused in your mind or, or elsewhere, it's your enemy trying to throw these darts at you. And what happens if you're focused on that worry or anxiety, if you don't pray back to God and give that worry back to God, you're taking these dirty clothes of your mind and putting them in the dryer, and then you're just making it worse. You're heating up that accusation. I want to make something clear worry is Satan's playground. Fear is from the enemy, it's not some cute little thing to laugh at. Our enemy is. He hurls accusations at us constantly. Worry and anxiety are from the pit of hell. But we battle against it. And just because you battle against fear does not make you fearful. It's when it consumes you. It's when you take that dirty laundry, you take that accusation of your mind, and you shove it into the dryer and let it go and spin and heat up over and over and over again. Relentless accusations. So, do you know what the opposite of worry and anxiety is? I believe the opposite of of that is meditation. Like not a weird Buddhist, hmm, not a not a weird thing like that. I'm talking about biblical meditation. Like Joshua 1 8 meditation. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and what? Day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. That's fairly important, my friends. Psalm 1-2, but they, who's that? That's us. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and what? Night. So if worry is like putting the dirty clothes of your mind in the dryer, then meditation is just the opposite. And where do you need to put that dirty load of laundry? Where do you need to put that anxiety and worry and fear? You need to put it in the washing machine. Ephesians 5 tells us this, that we are cleansed by the washing, hello, washing of the word. And his word cleanses us, our hearts and our minds, over and over and over again. It's that same cycle, but it's a different cycle. It's a different voice speaking over you. It's not the accuser of the brethren. It's your father speaking over you, who you should be, who you really are. Biblical meditation is literally the art of taking the word of God and repeating it over and over and over again in your heart and your mind. And biblical meditation is internalizing God and his word as the source from every part of your being. See, that's why if you have ever seen Jewish people um, study the Torah, you'll see them when they're praying, they're rocking back and forth. You see them at the wailing wall, they're walking back and forth, they're swaying, they're internalizing God as the source of every part of their being. Psalm 35.10 says this, With every bone in my body, I will praise him. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. See, meditation is internalizing his word and his prophecies. It's opening up this dialogue with your Father. It's creating a two-way conversation to allow his words to sink in deep, to allow his word, which is living and active in you, to become a part of you, to make it living and active in you. So you need it in you so that it can spill out of you. There's nothing like hearing his voice. It will absolutely rock your world. But you can't hear his voice if you don't seek him. Go after him. Put him on your mind. So several months ago, I started focusing on this rhythm of meditating before I go to sleep. And I don't do it perfectly, my friends. Absolutely not. But this is my goal, and I'm telling you when I do it, it's unbelievable. And so before I go to sleep, I just set my heart and my mind on Jesus, and I fix my thoughts on him. Remember that verse in Philippians 4 that says not to worry, not to be anxious about anything? You know what the verse before it says? Philippians 4, 4 and 5 is the verse before it. It says, Rejoice in the Lord when always delight and take pleasure in him again i say <laughs> there's that rhythm again i say rejoice let your gentle spirit be known to all people the lord is near <laughs> the lord is near see when worry and anxiety rise up within you when the accuser gives you something and targets you you remind yourself that the Lord is near the Lord is near you take that load of fear and anxiety and worry out of the dryer and you put it in the washer you take worry and transform it into wonder the Lord is near. No, I'm not listening to that accusation because the Lord is near. He's my shepherd. So right before I go to sleep, I'll take a passage of scripture or just one verse or, or, or part of one verse and I'll meditate it on it. I'll repeat it over and over again in my thoughts, in my mind, in my heart. I'll rock it back and forth in my head, in my, in my heart until it is in me, until it becomes a part of me. And I started doing this with one verse almost three months ago, Psalm 23, verse one. It's changed my life. It's a verse that I've known since I was in diapers. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. But see, you can know a verse and it doesn't, it's not necessarily a part of you. The Pharisees knew a lot of verses, Right. But Jesus said, if you focus on the inside of the cup, you don't focus on just knowing the information. You focus on that becoming a part of you, my word becoming a part of you. And so the only way to get that done is by meditating, by by focusing on him and what he has to say over and over again. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And worry comes because worry will come, anxiety will come, we're all going to be attacked, we're all going to be accused, but worry comes and we wash ourselves over and over and over in his word, in what is true and right and pure and noble. The Lord is near. The Lord is in this place, like Jacob said. God, you are my delight. You are my source. You are my strength. And he'll bring verses to mind. See, that's why memorization is so important. But memorization is not enough. Meditation is what God's after. He wants a conversation. He wants a dialogue. The Lord is my light and salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Keep that washing machine going. The Lord is near. God, speak to me as I sleep tonight. Give me your direction. Give me your answers. Give me your peace. I fix myself, my eyes on you alone. You are my treasure. You are my source. You are my joy. You are my everything. And this opens up your heart and this dialogue between you and the Father in the secret and in the quiet place. See, that's the goal of meditation, to have this open back and forth conversation and dialogue with your father. Jesus, you are my portion. I follow after you. You have my life in the palm of your hand. I'm, I'm just a lamb following the voice of the shepherd. And if worry and anxiety rises up, and of course it does and it will, but trust me, I choose to take worry and transform it into wonder. I choose to take worry and transform it into wonder. I choose to throw away that dirty laundry in the washing machine. A few months ago, I was uh, driving back to Peoria, On a work trip from southern Illinois. And I was listening to a podcast. It was a really good podcast. And all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, Turn off the podcast, Chris. I want to show you something. And I kind of hesitated, like, Really? Okay. Uh, Yep. So I turned it off. And I'm on Highway 4. I'll I'll remember this forever. I'm on Highway 4 in between I 65 and I 55. It's this beautiful country highway these these hills and i came over this hill and to my left was this field full of flowers and i heard the holy spirit say to me do you see those flowers chris uh yep what are they doing chris "Mm, nothing and he said exactly they're planted They're just like the lilies of the field that I talked about. They have no anxiety. They have no worry. They're just planted in my soil. Their roots are going deep into my soil. And you know what they do? They stay planted and they look up at the sun, not a care in the world. They just glorify me and I send the sun and I send the rain and they soak it all up. And that's what I want you to do, Chris, to be planted in my soil and let your roots grow deep into me and fix your eyes on the sun and let the rain of my spirit soak deep into every part of you see worry is not your master worry is not your master and anxiety can go back to hell because you are mine i bought you with the highest price now turn your worry into wonder See, we cannot be consumed by what darkness hurls at us. And when anxiety and worry begin to attack you, then that's time for you to begin to look uh, look on that as an opportunity to meditate. Look on it as an opportunity to fix your thoughts on Jesus. When the accusations come, it's an opportunity to meditate. And then just watch and see what he'll do. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. See, God wants to do something in your heart and your mind as you sleep. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore your mind, restore your heart, both physically and spiritually. He wants to speak to you intimately and deeply. He wants to pour out dreams and visions on his sons and daughters. I mean, can you imagine what he will pour out on a heart that is fixed on him? That's what I want. Psalm 16, 7 says this I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. See, do you know what the purpose of sleep is? The funny thing is, the purpose of sleep is not to sleep. Here's the tension the purpose of sleep is to wake up. Awake, oh sleeper. You're not supposed to stay sleeping. It's a rhythm, but without sleep or very little of it, you're destroying your waking up ability. Your lack of sleep is destroying your life and longevity. It's destroying what God wants to do in and through you because how you go to sleep determines how you wake up. In Leviticus 26, there's this, God's giving instructions to the Israelites. And this there's this amazing couple set of instructions and promise that he gives to them. And this is, for, this is for us. I believe this is really powerful for this church, especially. He says, I will give you peaceful sleep so that you can wake up and go to war. See, my friends, church, the purpose of sleep is to go to war. That is a word for this church, for Church 214. The purpose of sleep is for restoration, for dreams and visions, so that we go to war and we take ground for the kingdom of God. Amen? Remember our guy Samuel that I opened up with? When did God speak to him? God spoke to him as he was laying down. God spoke to him at night he had never heard the voice of god before see maybe that's somebody here today you've never heard or experienced god talk to you whether it's audibly or or just a, an impression on your heart most of the time when when god speaks to me it's just an impression a very strong impression on my heart i have heard him speak to me audibly before as well but however he does it samuel had never heard that before and he's, he, he, he hears the voice of God as he's laying down next to the presence of God. Remember, Samuel was in the temple. He's sleeping right near the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant carries the presence of God. Where's the presence of God today, my friends? It's not in the Ark. It's in you. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are a carrier of his presence. And how many times is God speaking to us as we lay down in his presence because he's within us? But how many times do, does he speak to us and we completely miss him? And like Samuel, we run to another voice, we run to Eli. We don't run out of disobedience. We run out of unawareness. See, I'm convinced that our awareness of his presence determines our ability to hear the voice of God. It's so important to be aware in every moment what he is doing because our unawareness, we miss it. Job 33 says this, For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people. I don't know how more clear it can get. I want to be the one that recognizes his voice. I want to be the one that's part of the prophetic generation that Peter speaks about in Acts 2. I want to be that guy. I want to, you know, you, you want to be that. I know you do. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. He's pouring out his spirit right here, right now. He wants to speak to you in dreams and visions of the night. And we cannot afford to miss his voice. We cannot afford to run to Eli and miss out on what God has for us. I remember every time that Samuel ran to Eli, what did he say? He said, here I am. See, he said the right thing. He just ran to the wrong voice. Our, Our proximity to God's presence is not the problem. We don't need The Ark of the Covenant. We are the temple of God. His presence is already in us. All we need to do is stay still and listen. Here I am, Lord. Speak, Lord. See, that's this entire message in three words Here I am. Here I am, Jesus. Speak to me, Jesus. Give me dreams. Give me visions. I want to hear your voice. I want to become desperate for you. Samuel was birthed out of a desperation for the presence of God. We want to be desperate for you, Jesus. Here I am. Back in June, 22nd to be exact, is a Saturday night. You know, Saturday nights are always um, kind of amped up in the uh, spiritual warfare department. And um, of any night of the week, I'm, I'm very conscious of what's happening Saturday night in the, the spiritual realm. And, uh, on this particular night, this was the last time I had preached back in June. And the night before I was, I was in this rhythm of saying the Lord is my shepherd of this meditation rhythm. I I think I even mentioned it last, last time I preached and my family, I was up late running through my, my message and, um, uh, my family was all sleeping and. I'd gone to bed and I'm meditating and I'm, 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 qu- I'm quoting Psalm 23 verse one over and over again. And all of a sudden, everything's dark. All of a sudden I hear my daughter running down the hallway and we've got hardwood floors so you can hear her, her feet like running down the hallway and then jump into bed. Um, of course on her mom's side. And I smiled in that moment and, um, I'm a snuggler. So I, I reached over and I tried to find her. And I remember thinking, that's weird. She's, I just heard her jump into bed. I just heard her run down the hallway, but she's, she's not there. And I'm like reaching my hands over her. So I'm, I'm smacking Heather in the face and she's full on asleep trying to find my daughter. I mean, I just heard her running, run down the hallway and jump into bed. And then I realized That she wasn't there. But I had heard the footsteps run down the hallway. Physically heard them. And I realized in that moment as I was pressing into the shepherd Jesus that it was him running towards me that as I ran to him, he runs to me. And I think he just gave me that, that sign, that physical noise of footsteps running towards me to show me how much he loves me because I was pressing into him. See, he's running towards you too. And something happens when you turn your affection towards him and, and your gaze towards him and fix your eyes on him and meditate on him. He's running to you. Why don't you just stay seated in this moment and close your eyes? I just want you to turn your affection to him, to meditate on Jesus right now. And just say in your heart to him, just like Samuel says said, Here I am, Jesus. I'm staying right where I am. And I know you're running towards me. Here I am, Jesus. Just soak in that for a moment. Jesus, here we are. We're just asking for your spirit to be poured out. We're asking for dreams and visions. We want more of you. We can't get enough of you. We're desperate for you. We're ready for you. Our gaze is fixed on you. Our hearts are turned towards you, Jesus. We love you. And we commit to this rhythm of sleep and meditation and fixing our hearts and our thoughts on you and turning worry into wonder. And we say, like David said, the psalmist said in Psalm 27, there's one thing that we would ask of the Lord, and the thing that we seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives, delighting in your perfections and meditating in your temple. In Jesus' name, Amen.